Hello and welcome to the First Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. We're glad you joined us this week. First Lutheran Church lives by the mission statement, called by the Spirit, we serve Christ, sharing God's love with all. And we are glad to share this good news with you this week. We're able for our gospel acclamation. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. Shortly before he enters Jerusalem, where he will be crucified, Jesus is revealed to Peter, James, and John in a mountaintop experience of divine glory called the Transfiguration. Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been risen from the dead. This is the gospel of our Lord. I invite you to be seated. One of the announcements I failed to make is about our midweek Lenten services that will begin the first Thursday after the first week of Lent. So the first Thursday being March 2nd. And our midweek Lenten services will be centered around the theme, Drawn to the Cross. And it will be an emphasis on art and faith and how they are similar in that depending on who you are, what your life experience is, where you are in your, in your heart or your emotions or your feelings, you will interpret both scripture or art unique from anyone else. So last night I, I did this example. We looked at the stained glass in the chapel behind the altar, and I invited everyone to look at, look at the stained glass, or in here, look at that banner over there representing the transfiguration. And if everyone were to look at that banner for 30 seconds even, or a minute, I would be very interested in hearing what you 
see in that? What the Spirit is drawing your eyes or your hearts to notice in that image? And so I invite you to take a moment and consider where you see God or what God is telling you in that piece of art. Now, last night being a smaller service in a smaller space, I invited people to share with me what they saw or what God was saying to them through the stained glass. It's not very easy to do here in this place, but I invite you to consider what God is saying to you. Because I am certain that even if we witness the same image, we will all have a different interpretation of what God is speaking to you through that art. The same is true from scripture. I had a professor in seminary, my Hebrew professor, and I've told this to some before, who described the scriptures as a diamond, unchanging, beautiful, and precious. But depending on where you stand, you will see something different. So during the season of Lent, on Thursday nights at 7 o'clock in our worship, we will be exploring faith and art and listening to God guide us in our interpretation. So enough of that announcement. Hope to see you all there. Well, today we, we recognize and we celebrate the transfiguration Before we do that, we need to remember and recognize that in Scripture, in the Bible, we know about and we hear about two realms, a heavenly realm and an earthly realm, a place where God dwells and and our space. And there are places in Scripture where, like a Venn diagram, they overlap with one another. In the book of Genesis, we hear one of those first places where heaven comes down to earth, when there's Hagar, who's the runaway slave of Abraham and Sarah. And she is in the wilderness, in desperation. And in that place, a voice comes to her and says, I will give you many descendants. And then Hagar says, you are God who sees me. This was holy ground. This was a space in a wilderness where God met a woman in desperation on the run. There's stories of the prophet Isaiah who sees God seated on a throne, surrounded by heavenly beings. In that space is holy ground, a place where God touches the earth. The prophet Ezekiel also um, is exiled in part of his story, and he's sitting along a riverbed, And in that place, the heavens were opened, and he saw God there. This man, exiled even by his own people, turned away by even them, sitting alone on a river, saw God. And then there's the Old Testament character Daniel, who also sees God seated on a throne, similar to the prophet Isaiah. And then there's the story of Moses, that beloved story of Moses and the burning bush, a bush that is aflame but not burning. And from the bush, 
is God's voice saying to Moses, this is holy ground, take off your sandals. Here in this place, I will tell you who I am. And that reminds you also who you are. Over and over again, in scripture, the people of God witness the union of heaven and earth, where God's presence is clear among the people that God created. And so today we find ourselves on a mountain with Moses and Elijah, with Peter, James, and John, and Jesus. Now this high place is set apart. It's both physically and metaphorically lifted above the earth, and it is holy ground. It is a place where the divine is palpable, a place where heaven touches the earth, a place that causes us to stop and awe at God's power and presence. There's the familiar story about the family on vacation and that one parent or grandparent who spends the entire trip behind the lens of a camera, desperate to capture every single significant event or emotion in the pictures in order to keep and hold on to them forever. And it's understandable to want to do this, to want to hold on to holy moments and memories, to keep them and capture them forever. Except that that parent or that grandparent didn't really get to experience the trip like the rest of the family. And then what happens when at the end of the trip they lose the camera? What happens then? What happens to the experience of that one parent or grandparent who spent the entire trip with a more narrowed focus and a now limited memory and experience? Well, when Peter, James, and John follow Jesus up to this high mountain, they too are aware that it is no ordinary place, that it is holy ground, and, and that there the divine is palpable, and they stop and awe at God's power and presence. And after Jesus is transfigured, when he is physically changed, and they are greeted by Moses and Elijah, Peter wants to hold on to this incredible moment forever. And so this faithful and flawed man wants to build a dwelling, or some Bibles will say a tabernacle or a temple, for these three holy individuals to live and reign and stay forever so Peter can hold on and capture that moment forever. This would be a place that Peter could return to whenever he wants and be assured that he would find God. But we know the story. And Jesus doesn't stay on that mountain. God cannot be contained in a temple or a tabernacle or some kind of dwelling place. God comes down to dwell among the people, to dwell with them where they are. And this holy ground, it is a gift that God desires for all people to walk upon and to dwell in. It's not just a place for a few biblical elites on some faraway mountain. When God created all things, Eden 
was that special place where heaven met earth and all was holy, and God desired all people to live in that paradise. But like the parent and that poor Peter, the humans there tried to capture, contain, or define the undefinable, and they missed out on God's ultimate gift. They corrupted it, and they lost it. But with Jesus, and in Jesus, everything changed. God, in human form, comes down to dwell among the people and changes everything. I don't know if you notice, during communion, when we walk down into this space and bring the wafers and the bread and the wine and the cups, I don't stop in reverence, as if to say, I'm leaving this holy space. We bring it down into this place. We bring the, the, the understanding of holy and sacred in God's presence down into this place among us all. Because that's what, that's what communion is. It's a reminder that God in human form has come to dwell among us and to be in us, in our hearts, and in our lives, and in our minds. So I ask all of you, as we consider this mountaintop, holy ground experience, where have you seen the holy in your midst? Or where have you walked on holy ground? Perhaps it's on an actual mountaintop. Many of you know I grew up in the Ozarks, the, uh, and I developed a love for mountains and lush vegetation. I grew up wandering down in my folks' property, enjoying the life scurrying all around there and the waters running in the creek. I loved that. But when I went on a spiritual retreat in seminary, we went to Abiquiu, New Mexico, uh, to Ghost Ranch, which is the home of Georgia O'Keeffe, that famous artist who is known for painting desert landscapes. And in that place, I spent a fair bit of time in desert mountains. And I grew an appreciation for this dry, cracked earth. And I found a new peace and a new hope and each little piece of life that was there, understanding what it endured and how it survived. Remember hiking very steep, dusty mountains and looking over the landscape and treasuring how God is in that stark place as well. So how about for you? Where have you walked amidst the holy? Where have you been on holy ground? Maybe your holy ground is in a mountain, but maybe it's in a valley. Like Psalm 23 says, Even in the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for there you are with me. Even there you walk with me. Even there is holy ground. And one of the most holy places I ever dwell in is the bedside of someone who's dying. 
Each and every time I treasure the holy activity of God's presence to gather his creations into his eternal arms. Each and every time. So where have you walked on holy ground? What experiences or places come to mind? What people shine out to the Spirit of God in their life and actions and their words? And how were you changed in those holy moments? When Jesus came down from the mountain of transfiguration, he was a new kind of human. His body was changed. And when Jesus walked the way of the cross, when his body was beaten and flogged and crucified, his body was changed, and again, he was a new kind of human. And when Jesus rose from the grave, unrecognizable to even his dearest friends, again, he was a new kind of being, and his body was changed. And this paves a way for us, too. Not only to recognize God's powerful presence, God's life-giving power here in this place, but for us, too, to be changed and made holy. As we sing in our glory to God at the beginning of worship each week, Jesus' blood has set us free to be people of God. And in Jesus, God and humanity overlap. In Jesus, God and humanity have become one. In Jesus, God has blessed us and made a pathway for us to be holy and saved and precious. Jesus announced that God's heavenly rule was arriving on earth through him. He fought the power of death, creating a way to eternal life. He taught how evil enslaves humanity with lies, like the lie that some people are better than others. And Jesus taught that all are made in God's image. He warned against the lie that power comes through force. And he taught that real power requires sacrifice and generosity. He warned against the lie that peace comes through violence. And instead, he taught that true peace comes through self-giving love. And when we follow the way of Jesus, we see the holy, divine purpose of God lived out through God's people. We see God's kingdom come on earth just as it is in heaven. And in this amazing and mysterious story of the transfiguration, we will never understand the divine actions happening there. But we will see God descend the mountain and return with the people. And this changes everything. This changes our way of life and our way of living. This changes our way of hoping and our way of forgiving. We are not the ones being transfigured on the mountain, but we are being transformed as people living as God's hands and feet and mouth and ears. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for your presence here in this place and in our lives that compels us to live with love in every aspect of our life. 
Give us courage to be bold, to share your radical welcome, to, to find ways for justice, to be your people in this world. All of these things we pray in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray that these words and message inspired you in your faith journey as you grow with God. We would love to see you at worship, either online via Facebook Live or in person at 1234 Southwest Fairlawn Road at 5 p.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sundays. God loves you, and so do we.